Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Andy Kaufman, as of course most of you know. Every week, I'm going to be coming on here, on this station, and I'm going to give you little tips about how you can better your lives and how I can bring you up from the level that you're in right now and bring you up from the squalor that you're living in, the gutter and the garbage that your lives are. Okay? And this is my personal favor to you. Now, this week I'd like to start off, first and foremost, the most important thing is personal hygiene. Okay? Now, let's start off. This is a bar of soap. Now, does it look familiar to any of you? I know that you probably don't know what this is. I probably you haven't ever seen one of these before, but it is called soap. Matter of fact, if you're sitting at home now, you can maybe kind of repeat after me and say soap. Say soap, S-O-A-P, soap. Not soap, not soap, it's soap, okay? Say it, soap, okay. Now, I'm gonna open it up, show you what it looks like. This particular bar is blue. Comes in all different kinds of colors, pink, yellow, white, blue, red. This is blue, okay? Now, the way you use it is, you go to the sink, turn on the water, if you have a sink, that is, or if you have any kind of lake nearby or anything, just turn, go wet yourself, wet your hands. Oh, and I would like to mention the reason that I want to tell you about soap. When I travel around the South, you know, a lot of fans, a lot of wrestling fans, they recognize me from TV. They always put out their hands, they want to shake my hand. And I'll tell you something, it disgusts me. The hands are so slimy. You people, you, your hands are so greasy and slimy. I mean, I, I, I don't want to shake them. You know, you ask me for an autograph, I'll sign you an autograph. But please, don't put out your hand and shake it until you can wash your hands. Now, this is what you do. Wet your hands, okay, then wet the soap. Wash the soap, rub it on your hands, and rub it around, and your hands will get clean. Another thing is a shower. You turn on the water, wet your body, let the water wet your body, wet the soap, rub the soap all over your body till your body is clean, okay? Then you rinse, and this is very important now, don't come out of the shower with the soap still on. Very important, you've got to rinse the soap off, okay? You rinse it off, you dry with a towel, and you're clean as a whistle. And then, you can shake my hand. Okay, now that's my tip for this week. This is about soap. I will see you next week with another tip, okay? Bye. One of the most successful shows ever possibly in the history of shows. And of course, I'm creeping up on the back of uh, Mr. T. I can tell you that because it's got it written right here on the back of your chair. Mr. T, hello. I know you can hear me and I don't mean to bother you. My name's Hot Rod. Of course, you'll know who I am. And I know who you are because your name's written on the back of the chair. And I'm assuming that that's there so you don't get lost. They told me to come down here and talk to you because what you got here is this great successful show then you guys are portraying these bad guys and they wanted to know since I am a bad guy actual in real life and I do beat people folks up for a living what they wanted to know they kind of wanted to know how does it feel to be portraying someone like myself well you ain't nothing man Oh, oh, why do we all? Because I don't have a chair with my name on it? Excuse me, I don't need one, because I can take any chair I want to take. I ain't nothing. What are you talking about? Hey, man, I see what you've been doing on TV, man. You've been fighting them little wimps. What I do is for real. Wimps, what? That's right, wimps. Oh, what are you talking about, wimps? I'll let this take a look at you. Wimps, let me see wimps. The only wimp I can think of is uh, uh, Cindy Lauper's manager, Dave Wolf. Uh, he's a wimp. Yeah, yeah, speaking about Cindy Lauper, she happened to be my friend. 
We go out together sometime with dinner. I like her so. And I heard about what you did to her in Madison Square Garden. I don't like that at all. Oh, you don't like that? That's why you call yourself tough, because you can can punch on a lady? Wait, 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 wait. I am an equal opportunist. Let's put it this way. Let's take a look at you. Here you are. You shaved your head on both sides. She dyes her orange. What you're doing is you're supporting all these wonderful children. Now, how can they look up to you with you looking like that, her with long hair? The children of American today must be sick. To look at someone. Hey, Mr. Hey, 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 no, 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 hey. I'll tell you, you mess with me, T, I'll put an X on your name, brother. The real hot rod in Hollywood. Oh, my God! We have sewn up everything, sewn up our differences, and now Pee-wee and I are on the same page. Yeah, we're like this, pretty much. Just like that. It's my good luck charm, to be completely honest. I mean, last time he was there, I think I won the match. I uh, beat up the Big Show, which is a seven-foot-tall, 500-pound man. So if I can beat up him with my good luck charm, then I can definitely beat up John Cena. And if The Rock gets involved, I can probably beat up him up too, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. That's correct. Anything you say. (laughs) See? See? This is the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, presented by Hami Media and the Pro Wrestling Reflection, where we discuss the very best of the best in pro wrestling history. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania in the largest arms in the world run wild on you? The two soundest wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the excellence of execution, the Hitman. WrestleMania weekend isn't complete without the heartbreak kid, and he is on his way. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. They think they got the answers. I change the question. You will rest in In Ric Flair, who you're looking at, the man.
What is going on there, Reflection Knights? What is going on there to the Vitoites, the Hamenites, the PWCites, all the ites all over the world? What's going on to the Magnificent 7, the Elite 8, the 99, the Terrific 10, the Essential 11, the Tubular 12, Thirsty 13, the Fabulous 14, the Fuckable 15? That's for the SNS Express before TW even looks at me weird. But anyway, <laughs> neither, see, he's smiling. Neither, neither, <laughs> no man. But welcome, oh, welcome to the PWR podcast here at the Hami Media Network. Hami Media Group at Podbeam.com. It's a tongue twister. You know what happens, Reflection Ice? The seasons change. The weather changes. You know, one day in the East Coast in Bombay, New Jersey, it's like 50, 60 degrees. The next day, it goes down to 30 degrees. That is a clusterfuck for, for the professor. You know what I mean? You know, you can wear your short sleeves, you can wear a light jacket, TW, right? Outside for 60 degrees, and then it's 30 degrees, and you're like, oh shit, you're already getting like the I- icicles on your lips, you're getting icicles on your mustache, and all that shit. So, you know, it's a culture shock for the professor. Even though I've been used to this in Bombay, New Jersey, for God knows how long, I'm, a, I'm an East Coast guy, but it doesn't mean I love it. I'm just used to it. I can tolerate it. But, now I'm in the mode. I got to adapt to it. That's what makes us East Coast people, just like TW in the Midwest, we adapt to winter. We not we might not like it, but we adapt to it because that's what we are. We are tough as nails. And with that being said, welcome to the PWR Podcast. Welcome or welcome to the PWR Spotlight. Yet the Hami Media Group at Podbean.com. And I must introduce myself because I am vain like that. I must introduce myself because I am cold, so this will warm the juices up for the professor. I am the most charismatic one. I am the most studious one. I am the most flamboyant one. I am the most affluent one. But most importantly, I am the most glorious one. The only objective man in this IWC, YWC, PWC, Pumintry, the only objective man in this political hemisphere. Your friend of mine, the Professor Chabelle Cruz. And I'm not here alone. No, 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 no. I am here to bounce off, you know, thoughts ideas, subjects, opinions, and all that stuff. You cannot have the professor all alone. Even though I'm right about 99% of the time, it'll just be a perspective. It'll really look at me. Don't look at me like that. I can tell even with the sunglasses. But anyway, I'm here with my brother from another mother, the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, dum dum do so Dr. freaking Stein, Mr. Sexy, Mr. Sexy Time himself, Mr. Prime Time, Mr. Ballhead, Mr. Detroit, Doctor Detroit himself. Tommy, wonder how you doing, my friend? Doing, man. I'm doing. And you know what we were talking about? Getting done so I could watch State. There's only two hockey games tonight, and neither one of them had the Capitals or the Red Wings in it. The damn scheduling in the NBA and hockey is ridiculous. Everyone plays one night, and no one plays for a week. It's weird. Well, they're catering to the players because, you know, the players cannot play back-to-back. You know, Bobby Orr played back-to-back, and, you know, it didn't do well when he got into his 60s and 70s. He, we're learning he made, it, he made it to his 60s and 70s. There's you NFL know, players that would kill to make it to their 60s and 70s, but they die at 50. I know. Well, CTE is a motherfucker, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a damn shame. That's the, what, Matthew McConaughey shirt? All right, all right, all right. Well, this right here, this is halfway through November, right here. little uh, something you care about. The men's prostate. This is to bring awareness to prostate cancer. You know, mm-hmm. you get in there with fingers and stuff in the prostate. You 
DMs, but but this is why I'm growing this and looking like Burl Eyes. But it's also getting close to Christmas time, so it's a good time to look like Burl Eyes. It is very funny that you care about a man's prostate issues. We we you know it's because I very, have one. Just not just saying, but but then the, awareness. This, but the awareness. the awareness of a man's prostate comes cancer. to your face. Prostate it comes cancer. to your face. You know what it is? It's symbolic. It comes to your face and lips and and your and all that stuff. That means you want to eat men's asses. That's what it is. That's what it is. You want the you want the brown around your face. Look at symbolically. this. Look at mine and look at Ooh. yours and tell me who's got brown around their face. You know what? See, yeah. I like to mention that shit. No, no, because <laughs> you do it with the old people. You do it with older people. That's what it is. You do no. it old people. So their poop's gray? Yes, it is. It's and you're doing it with younger people's poop's it's, brown. It's biologically, you know, it's been tested true. But Based anyway, on you need your it. logic, then it means you're just doing it with younger dudes. Your, your that, own words. With that being said, Reflection Nights, welcome. <laughs> Slide into his DMs. Welcome Get to the some. PWR Spotlight. Welcome. To, I'm trying to do the show, TW. All right, let's not talk about men's prostates. Neither he know that. Let, it's welcome. awareness. This is I a know. good thing. We are aware I'm that like men's... an idiot for prostate cancer awareness. No, you're not. You are looking uh, like Sean Connery. You are looking like uh, George Hamilton with a dead. beard. George Hamilton might not be dead. Sean Doesn't matter if they're dead or not, but they had a beard. That's what I'm just saying. See, I'm I'm giving you praise, and now you're saying they're dead. Which one do you want? You want me to praise you? I don't want to look like a dead body. Is what I'm you're saying. not looking like a dead body. When he was alive, you looked like him. Is that better? There you go. There you go. Okay. Welcome to the PWR Spotlight here at the Hami Media Group at Podbeam.com, and we're already off the rails because we do it live. We don't do we don't edit it. We don't do you know we don't do take twos. We don't do well. We sometimes do take twos, but that's because of the binomics of the the, the network uh, Wi-Fi. But neither here nor there. But this is a very special spotlight here. And TW, we talked about it last time when we did the PWR at the movies. I thought it was apropos since we did a movie episode, and we did the the wrestling uh, influence into Hollywood. Why not flip it around, right? And talk about the celebrity influence for professional wrestling. So the funny thing before we even talk about and reflection nights, please, when you get slide into the DMs, do not give me names that we might have forgot. There we could we might be talking about 40 years of history. You know, we could go back to Andy Kaufman and we could talk about today with Logan Paul and Bad Bunny. We're going to try to merge everything together because everything has a purpose. But before we talk about names, which we may may forget, TW, I'm not going to be perfect about everything. I'm, but I'm going to try to hone in on some on some names that really had value. That's the that's what I'm trying to say. But before that, since we are going to flip it, wrestling, the, the main thing for wrestling, right, was and I think two names really coincide with this sentiment, T.W. Follow me here. I think the most credit for, for people within the wrestling business that wanted to get to the next level. And what, what do I mean in the next level reflection? Nights? You, you know, the word that we all know, Main Street, you know, Americana, pop culture status. Two people in the wrestling business really got it, T.W., and that one name was Jerry the King Lawler. And the second name, of course, is the patriarch, Vincent Kennedy McMahon Jr. They knew about the bigger picture. They didn't want they did not want pro wrestling. They, they loved pro wrestling so much that they wanted it to become from niche 
to a certain secular of fandom to mom and pop and sons and daughters to enjoy professional wrestling. So what say you about that sentiment? Well, not, not only that, but it was a negative connotation. Like if you were a wrestling fan, you were, you were subhuman. You were, oh, mm-hmm. you're into that? I mean, for us, what, what we could relate to it is, is when UFC first started. UFC first started, there wasn't weight classes. You had chemo fighting Hoist Gracie with a 200-pound difference sometimes, 150-pound difference. It was barbaric. It looked like something poor people would do, you know, because they got no other way to make money. It was They would call it human cockfighting. And so oh. wrestling was looked at like that for, for other reasons. One, it was lowbrow, if you will. Uh, two, people were like, is it real? Is it not real? People can say they knew it was fake all along. Fake's a terrible word. I hate to say that. But a work. Uh, most people don't know what a work means. It, it, so. But before I hold your thought for a second, Bef- before we like again, before we get into the names, TW, but let's be real here because again, from the gorgeous George days to maybe Vern Gagne on Chicago syndicated network television, the ratings were there. So we can't say that the, that those but it was a guilty fans, pleasure. It was a guilty pleasure. Okay, I'm, I'm just, but you know what I'm going with. Yeah, you didn't run around <laughs> telling people you were a wrestling fan because if you did, they looked at you differently, right? Okay. Kind of like we look at AEW fans now and there's neck beards. You know what I mean? Like, no, I, I don't even mean that to pick on them. I'm saying they're so passionate and, and you just had, that. But you just had impeccable timing when you just said that. That's why I'm laughing and yeah, giggling. Well, but yeah, but, but what I'm saying is they're so honed in on just AEW that they're protective of it when it's floundering they gotta throw an insult at another promotion if, if it's doing well they brag about it and then shit on another promotion they cannot talk about it without talking about someone else good bad or ugly and so people I think who aren't like that that are AEW fans are afraid to say they're an AEW fan because they're afraid everyone's gonna assume they're just like the ones the, the, the vocal minority, if you will, because I don't think all of their fans are that way. I'm talking about oh. them idiots. The you and I, I don't know if you put me on them fan pages or if they just got, what do you call it, algorithmed into me and I made the mistake of writing on one when it was just a sponsor thing. But I, I see you writing on there all the time. I write on there all the time. It's like, it's I, fun. I get sucked into this web. It's fun, uh, though. Huh? It's the algorithm. It's the algorithm, but it it's fun, fun. It is fun. But, but what I'm saying is like, uh, they used stupid terms like Mark Tar. They call each other names. It's just it's so tacky. That's it's tenfold worse back in the '60s, '70s, and '80s. If you said you like wrestling, but then you had Lawler and, and McMahon, like you said, who wanted it to be family entertainment. At the end of the day, that's what they were shooting for. Because what does family entertainment mean? It means Disney money. It means just Little House on the Prairie money. That's the stuff that drew because it meant more money. If you were able to show it to families, if you can only show it to two dudes drinking beer, it's not going to be around for long. Well, I yeah, feel the same way about USC. I think USC, I think way more people watch that than you would think like college dudes, right? That's mm-hmm. basically what it was in the beginning. Now I, I see women talking about it. I see families. Hey, we're watching USC. I think it's a little harder to get into USC like it is for wrestling. Wrestling has characters, right? You get behind, you either love or hate Roman Reigns. You either love or hate MJF. See, I was being fair there. And you mm-hmm. and you 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 follow him every week. With MMA, you might not see your favorite fighter for three months. And if he mm-hmm. lost, it might be even longer. So it's hard. So that's why for me, the the ultimate fighter is what got me in the UFC because I got to meet a bunch of dudes at one time 
and it was pushing a fight between the two known guys that were coaching. And then I just got on board after that. And what we're about to talk about is if people aren't watching wrestling because it's whatever, but they're fans of Taxi, they're like, whoa, Andy Kaufman is doing a wrestling show? And they watch it because mm-hmm. their guy from Taxi is on it. So it was absolutely brilliant of Jerry Lawler to do it first. Um, well, I, I don't know if he did it first. I'm sure Vern had local celebrities and stuff like that, much like Ben Senior probably did. But Jerry Lawler got that shit on David Letterman. So yeah, he's I, first in my book. We'll talk about that, but bef- let's put a bow on this because I, I agree with your sentiment. I think the thing is you need visionaries. Lawler was a visionary. And stop yeah. with the lights. It's not Christmas yet. But anyway, Lawler was a visionary. Vince McMahon was a visionary. And your UFC sentiment, Dana White is a visionary to get it to a different level, to get it out of a stigma from one niche audience to a global audience. So this way, everybody doesn't have everybody doesn't have to like it. Reflectionize. Let, let's get this one thing, because this has always been a debate with this with the casual fan argument. It's not about everybody liking it. But everybody at least knows about it. Everybody right. knows those letters. Awareness. Everybody has an awareness of the genre. And that genre, and if you're aware of the genre, somebody might want to watch it. Somebody might want to pay a ticket to see it in the arena. Or somebody might want to pay a subscription on the streaming networks or a pay-per-view. And what does that mean? Money, 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 money. Money. So now, with that being said, we are going to do the PWR Spotlight, and we are going to do the Celebrity Edition Spotlight. And what is that? We are going to name some celebrities that made a considerable amount of contributions into the Considerable. Considerable. You didn't say bull. You said considerable. No, I said considerable. We wanted to take... Check it back. It's your, like it's your mustache. It's your mustache. Like it's your, Miller your, mustache. your mustache is covering now your ears. Because I know what I said. But anyway, let's, let's now get into the list of celebrities past and present. We're not going to talk about the present yet, TW, because, again, it's too easy. Because, again, Bad Buddy is now taking it to new new levels of, 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 of the world. Mars even knows Bad Bunny is wrestling. That's how big it is. But anyway, let's go backwards. That's because not the again, world. That's the universe. I know what I said. I know what I mean, too. But anyway, <laughs> let's get into this now because we started with one name and the considerable, bo, 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 the considerable first name that everybody knows because I will say this, T.W., because you said, like, Vern Gagne might have tried it. No, he didn't because he was too old school. I would say this because celebrities, musicians, before we talk about Andy Kaufman reflection, I have to say this. There were people, there were actors, there was musicians who went to wrestling, but like TW said, it's a guilty pleasure. They went to hang out with the wrestlers, they went to the bars to party, and all that stuff. Dusty Rose has pictures upon pictures of, of rock stars, movie stars that he hung out with when they went to, to Florida, when they went to New York, and all that shit, TW. So we can't say that there has never been a Hollywood connection. But this to me is the first legitimate merge between Hollywood or mainstream and professional wrestling to, to at least hybrid together to make money so people can pay to see it. And like you said, we got to talk about the man from Hollywood, the man from Taxi and ABC, Andy Kaufman. 
The idea came from Bill Apter, who was shopping Andy Kaufman around. First, he shopped him to Madison Square Garden because he thought, oh, it was apropos for Mr. Hollywood to be in Madison Square Garden, the mecca of professional wrestling, the mecca of all arenas. But <coughs> Vincent Kennedy McMahon Sr. rejected the idea because, again, he was a little bit too old school for that, and he did not want to tarnish the image of wrestling. So Bill Apter sent, the, sent Andy Kaufman, or his name, to Memphis and Jerry Jerry. To Memphis and Jerry Lawler. And I think this was the, the months that Jerry Lawler was in charge of the books, if you will. And Jerry Lawler saw what you said. Money, 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 money. And Andy Kaufman already had a ready-made gimmick because he was doing this even before he, he invaded Memphis. Andy Kaufman was on the on what was it the Merv Griffin show he was on the late night circuit his gimmick when he was touring the college arenas and the college scene if you will reflection nights was that he was the intergender wrestling champion he did he in real life challenged women in the audience to try to pin him and if they were successful he would pay them a, i think it was $1000 or $5000 or something like that Andy Kaufman was on a Goldberg streak. He could not be defeated. <laughs> Nobody could defeat him. So Jerry Lawler, knowing this, said, bring that, that gimmick over to Memphis. And now Andy Kaufman's got a, a nice wrestling audience, a wrestling audience that's in tune with what's going on. So now, so now Andy Kaufman, who's living out his dream, Reflectionites, of being a, a bad guy wrestler, is wrestling women in Memphis, Tennessee. We don't have to go into the logistics of the of the few TW, but what say you about Andy Kaufman and his contributions? Because everything with the stars aligned. He went into Memphis, he wrestled a couple of women, you know, and then Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman, you know, compiled the the Foxy Jackson uh, spiel there, and then the David Letterman slap heard around the world or around the country, if you will, and all that stuff. So, what say you about Andy Kaufman? Well, first, I want to say this. I think we don't give credit to Hollywood yet for this. Because this is all Andy Kaufman. This is his own, like, desire, his own dream, his own whatever. It wasn't like Taxi put him there. He mm -hmm. did on his own doing his little stand-up. So I, I don't think Hollywood gets credit yet for, for getting on board. But I think he's the reason Hollywood inevitably will get on board. And Lawler gets the other credit for being smart enough to say, heck yeah, we'll do it. Because Vince said no, senior. Um, but it, dude, it, I, I didn't even, I don't even think I was in the wrestling yet. Cause this is 84, 83. No, this is like 82, 82. Right. Yeah. But I knew about it and I didn't start wrestling, watching wrestling until after WrestleMania one in 85. Mm -hmm. So that, that tells you that it, it had reach cause it making its way to a kid in Detroit who don't know shit about shit. I knew about taxi, but I just remember seeing clips of it on like the news or whatever. So it, it got mm -hmm. eyeballs and, and you know, he died not long after all this, right? Wasn't it like within a year of it is when he got within, the cancer and died. within a year and a, within a year and a, yeah. he was wrestling with the cancer while he was doing this yeah. angle with Lawler. So, then, which makes it even more sweeter to know that this dude wanted it so bad and he, he made it happen on his way out. You know, if, if mm -hmm. he knew, that's probably why he went balls to the walls with it. Um, right. But absolutely, it is. Gorgeous George was Hollywood influenced, but it wasn't Hollywood involved, right? 
Uh -huh. Andy Kaufman is straight up out of Hollywood on a hit TV show. I don't know if Taxi was still going by then, but he was famous. And much like when Mr. T did it, he was on the A-Team, which was a hit show. And and so Andy Kaufman doing it is absolutely monumental. If it doesn't happen, who knows if it ever happens or how much longer it takes to happen. And when it does happen, does it snowball the way it did from that point on? Because... If he doesn't do it, well, we'd never know, obviously. But, but it's it's and it's even more amazing because you have to give more credit to Andy. Remember, remember this before we hold on to your thought. I'm going to say this. It took because remember Vince Vincent Kennedy McMahon Sr. rejected it, so there were still old school mentalities and trying to keep you know the business kayfabe, keep it a secret, keep it in the inner circle. So Jerry Lawler, there was a new crop of people, if you will, Reflectionites, that, that thought bigger, that had a bigger picture, not only about bringing Andy Kaufman in, but again, what was being, what was coming up? Cable TV. So you had to get more eyes on the, on the prize. You had to get more eyes on the, on professional wrestling. And again, I didn't, being on the East Coast, I didn't see this, but you're right. I heard about it on David Letterman. I didn't stay up late at night. To see it, but I saw it the next night on the, I think on the sports machine or whatever. But it was big enough for me to at least know about it or to 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 have something about it. And then of of course the aftermags, the pro wrestling illustrateds. That I'm not saying that was front page. Was it front page? It might have been front page. It had to be. It had to be because it was a big ass story. It had to be front page of the Memphis newspapers. It had to be front page of New York and L.A. Times. You, you get where I'm going with this because a, Andy Kaufman injected something that before him. And they kayfabe the hell out of it, too. So right. there were people that believed there were lawsuits and everything going right. on. Andy Kaufman un loved the business so much that he kayfabe everybody. He kayfabed his own parents to think that he fucking broke his neck because Jerry Lawler pile-drived him on the mat. That's how committed Andy Kaufman was. But he respected it so much not to like be on Taxi the next week without the neck brace, to be on a be on David Letterman or Saturday Night Live without the neck brace. He lived the gimmick. He lived the gimmick. And if it wasn't for his commitment, TW, I don't know where we would be. But also, I have to say this again. If it wasn't for the foresight, of Jerry the King Lawler because he was part of a different generation. Again, the previous one would have rejected it. The previous one would have said, thank you, but no, we not we don't do that. We try to keep it to the sport of wrestling, to the competition of wrestling. You can sit front row just like people do in boxing and people do for other sports ventures, but we can't have you involved. Andy Kaufman wanted to be involved. So that's the thing. You had to get to the next generation of people with a bigger picture. That's what I wanted to say. Go ahead, TW. Let's yeah, put a bow but, on Andy Kaufman. But here's the thing about Andy. This is why you got to give him more credit. If Andy Kaufman is not on Memphis Wrestling, mm -hmm. Memphis Wrestling does not even exist in David Letterman's world. He, they're, they're not getting on David Letterman. They're mm -hmm. not making the Times or whatever, the magazine, Newsweek. They're not making the local news in other towns, they might make Memphis local news for their wrestling, but they're not making Andy Kaufman put not only professional wrestling on a map, it put that territory on the map when people in New York knew about WWE and people in Florida knew about Florida Championship Wrestling. People knew about the NWA, but 
I wouldn't say many people outside of diehards, and there weren't no tape trading going on back then, knew about Memphis wrestling. I knew about all of it because of the magazines mm-hmm. way later. So credit Andy Kaufman for just getting awareness that there's other wrestling out there besides the stuff that Letterman probably knew about WWF. Um, but nobody knew about Memphis the way they did after Kaufman was on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's true. Because, again, Andy Kaufman had the foresight. Jerry Lola had the foresight and they were the perfect mesh. And of course, we did a PWR, you know, greatest rivalries because it was one of the greatest rivalries in wrestling history between Andy Kaufman and Jerry the King Roller. So we're going to move on to the other visionary. Of course, T.W., you know who that is. And that's Vincent Kennedy McMahon Jr. When he bought his when he bought the controlling interest of Capital Sports Wrestling from his father in 1982, he had a he had a vision. He wanted to take WWF at the time from being a regional Eastern promotion and he wanted to make it national. And of course, his 10 or 20 year plan, he wanted to make it worldwide and a global dominant you know, brand. So everybody juggernaut. a juggernaut. Thank you for the word. But he knew he had he had steps to take. He already pillaged, if you will, the, t- the wrestling talent. And of course, you know, Hulkamania is one of the main reasons. But he knew he had to get the mainstream uh, appeal about it. He wanted to make it so family friendly because Hulk Hogan was such a representative for wrestling and the Americana for the for the nuclear family, if you will, Reflectionites. But he needed a co he needed a he needed a partner in crime. But before we talk about Mr. T TW, because we have to really talk about this. Mr. T gets 50 to me, 50% of the credit because he partnered with Hogan. Again, I will say this. If WrestleMania one was just, let's say, Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Snuka against Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, that would work for you and me. That would work for the hardcore marks. But it wouldn't have given Vince McMahon what he wanted, mainstream appeal. So he needed a hook. So like you said, he brought in the man from Rocky Three. He brought in the man from 18, B.A. Baracus himself, Mr. T. But he gets 50% of the credits to take it to the mainstream on the men's side. We cannot forget on the woman's side, T.W., and that was rock and roll sensation, she was already had she had a number one hit with girls just want to have fun time after time and all that stuff. Good love, Cindy Lopper, and what she did for Wendy Richter. She made Wendy Richter, who was a good hand, if you will, into the next level. She could have been the female Hulk Hogan when she, you know, did the impossible and beat the 50-year reign of fabulous Moolah and the women's title. So let's see about Cindy Lopper and Mr. T. Both of them, do you give them 50-50 equal or does yeah, one because, get more than the other? because they brought in two different sects. They, they, you, Mr. T brought in uh, the, the people that want to watch the fights. Mm-hmm. And Cindy Lauper brought in the kids who like music and thought, what's going on here? And introduced them to wrestling. So, And then obviously A-Team fans and, and MTV fans. But you can't even just stop with them two because, and yes, he's probably a little long in the tooth, but Liberace being there is a big deal. Muhammad Ali being there is a big deal. Uh, Billy Martin, 
who probably is the reason you started watching it because Billy Martin was there from the Yankees and Bob Euchre eventually, Mary Mary Hart, all these. Yeah, wait, people. wait, you're, you're, you're telling, you're, I know. you're saying too many I names. I know, I know what you're going what with. I'm saying is, Vince saw what happened with one guy and threw the kitchen sink at WrestleMania because it, it made or break him. It, it would have been his bankruptcy and him flipping burgers for the rest of his life or him going on to become what he became. And you got to spend money to make money. But Mr. T, I don't, I don't even know, like looking back, I would say the Mr. T stuff ends. The focus is on Piper and Hogan when it's done. It's not on him. Cindy Lauper, it kept staying on her. Like, and then Wendy Richter shit the bed asking for more money and whatever. Wendy was there, or Cindy Lauper had been there again, whatever. But she had Captain Lou in her video, all that. It's just they both brought in two different crowds. Like Mr. T wasn't gonna bring in the people that Cindy brought in. Cindy wasn't gonna bring in the people that Mr. T brought in, but they brought people in. And then when you see, oh my God, all these other people are there too, they're thinking everybody's down with this stuff. I got to be down with it. That's what our society is. is Everybody wants to be part of the next trend. Or you're the asshole who wants nothing to do with the trend by being part of it, by knocking it. But either way, you're on board. I I would say this because the way you're describing about what, which one brings what's, you know, what to the table, if you will, I think I would give Cindy Lauper a little bit more because follow me here, TW, because of the music genre. What was going on with the music genre? MTV. That is a whole different audience. And again, with the, the explosion and expansion. No, fuck cable, all about wrestling. With, with cable TV. And you had a demographic from MTV of, let's say, 12 to 29-year-olds that are watching their favorite musicians actually seen it on TV. Again, Reflection Nights. If you don't even know this, this concept, because M- if you turn on MTV right now, you'll see real world. Or you'll yeah. see like the challenge. You don't yeah. see music videos. It I for miscellaneous television now. There you go. That's what it is. You don't see music videos. Music. Right. It, it's funny because if you saw the original MTV, you just saw 24 hours of music television. And Cindy Lauper was at the forefront. She was one of the pillars of music television because she would she understood her brand. Her branding, if you will. And she so peacocked that, like a motherfucker, too. And with her love of professional wrestling, and like you said, bringing Captain Lou Albano into Girls Just Want to Have Fun and Time After Time and all that stuff, that was the first crossover before, you know, Mr. T. Mr. T filled the void for Hulk Hogan getting to the next level of Hulkamania. But Cindy Lauper, you know, like you like you might think it's still 50 I go with, I think she's 60-40. That's just me. I, I, can, I, can I think it's 60 but because of what she did. And, and I, I will agree to that because I think people that watched it because Mr. T was there probably might have been watching it anyway. And But he might have brought some people that said, oh, we saw him as a boxer. Now we're going to see him as a wrestler. So he didn't bring new people. But a lot of people are like, holy shit, Mr. T's going to be I'm definitely watching now. So maybe he brought people who are on the fence of ordering a pay-per-view and made them order it. But they definitely would have already been aware of it. This this is my conspiracy, TW. So I, I'm I'm not saying that TW endorses this. I just thought of this myself. I would think, to me, TW, I don't think Mr. T was Vince McMahon's first choice. You know who his first choice would have been? Stallone. Yes. It would have been Sylvester Stallone and Hulk Hogan versus Piper and Orndorff. And, I, and, and Stallone was smart enough 
to reject it because he had Rambo, he had Rocky. He was he was becoming the uh, the icon of Hollywood. I think that's just me. The only the only reason I would say I, I would I I think if you give them on the table, hey, do you want Stallone or T? You're probably taking Stallone, but for the name recognition, not so much, you know, whatever. But Stallone, I think, is much smaller than Mr. T, who was already small mm-hmm. compared to the other guys. Um, but, but it's still wrestling. It's still wrestling. Suspension right. of disbelief, like you oh, said. Oh, for sure. But what I think Mr. T has that Stallone doesn't have is he's a character. Mm-hmm. He fits into wrestling more than Stallone does. Stallone would fit on The Sopranos. Mr. T fits on wrestling or yeah. UFC. Right. Well, like I said, that was just my conspiracy. But again, in Heinz, in, in retrospect. Reflection ice to me, I still would give Cindy Lauper that 60 40 advantage because she had a genre that she can bring into bring. the masses, bring, bring in, to the masses, into the masses of professional wrestling. And she really galvanized WWE into the next stratosphere, along with Mr. T validating Hulkamania into the nexus of what he was going to become. So, with that being said, TW, I've already said too much. So, now we're going to go. Into like let's say the wild card TW. Just pick I got out a one. name. I got pick one out a name real, off the top of your head. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick out an event. Okay. Because I because because now I am watching wrestling, mm-hmm. and this blew my mind that it was even happening. Because we're not talking one, we're not talking two, we're talking like ten of these sons of bitches. Was the WrestleMania two battle royal where the fucking NFL was half of the damn match, and it okay. was like whoa, these are actual NFL players, not. And we talk about every week the NFL is it. They're, they are the they own the United States entertainment uh, eyeballs majority, mm-hmm. whatever you want to say they own. They're number one, especially in sports. So right. to have Bill Fralick and William Perry and uh, Russ Francis, Russ Francis, oh, 49 Russ, who was the 49er? Was Bill Fralick? No, Fralick was a Falcon. No, was Russ a, Francis was the 49ers. It was, oh, I thought uh, he was a Stealer. No, um, he was a 49er. Yeah, four dollars. So, so you have all these guys, and and, you, and again, another person who is a larger than life character is William, the refrigerator parrot. He's doing angles with Big John Stud. He's doing all. He does the handshake over the top rope. That to me made me because by then I'm watching NFL because '84 is when Jerry Rice was just lighting shit up. But um, like you said, like Mr. T being a character perfect for professional wrestling. Mr. William, William was. Mr. William, the refrigerator parrot was perfect character. Yeah. For professional wrestling, and then and, you had all those but let's guys. not forget, but let's not yep. forget that because the the Chicago Bears already won the Super Bowl, he was already an attraction. He was already that name brand. If they didn't win shit, it wouldn't have mattered. So it just right. the stars aligned for Vince McMahon again, two for yeah. two that he got yeah. a nice character like. And like a, in a few later. years later, from from WrestleMania two, which is eighty six, well, it's about seven years later, but. Some of the same guys in that battle royal were on the USS Intrepid trying to body slam Yokozuna. Only Francis and Freilich did it. Freilich, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. that's some motherfucker, too. It's some. I'm just, I'm giving you but the logistics I'm, of who. But that's what all. I'm saying is that night, if not sooner, but that night, the NFL and WWE have been connected ever since. Like, there have been NFL and WWE references on each other's programming, especially with Fox, mm-hmm. SmackDown being on Fox. But they have been workout partners, if you will, ever since WrestleMania 2. And that, to me, was mind-blowing. The only thing I hated about WrestleMania 2, I think I said this before here, was stupid three locations. Like, I would have hated to be at one. 
mm-hmm. first of all. And you got to watch, what, every fucking fourth match is yours? And then you got to watch the damn pay-per-view screen? I'd rather just be at home if I'm going to do that. But um, but those guys being there made me, at not even 14 years old, going, holy shit, there's NFL guys in there? Which, again, made me also think it was real still. You know, like it was legit. Oh. Like, these guys are off-season, so they're going to do a better role, try to make more money or whatever. And then... Look at all the guys that became wrestlers who were failed NFL. Goldberg, he didn't make it in NFL, made it in wrestling. Luger, same thing. Wahoo McDaniel, all, Jim Duggan, all these guys. It's just almost like a no-brainer to have NFL guys. And the, the weird one was the NBA and WCW had a ton of them dudes, but they looked oh, small we'll, in, we'll, in the ring. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. But, yeah. I, but let's put a bow on the NFL uh, WWF connection because, like you said, it, again, it's more validation and what Vince McMahon wanted was the mainstream appeal, mainstream acceptance, if you will, Reflectionites, that you can, you know, that both brands can respect each other and have fun with this. Because, again, William Refrigerator Perry had so much fun doing it. Russ Francis had so much fun. Bill Frelick loved the Battle Royale because he could, like, the, people thought I was a bad, was like a bad guy in NFL doing like chop blocks and shit. Now I can really do it and get people to be pissed off at me. And he eliminated a Chicago Bell, not um, not Perry, but Perry's teammate who was also in that. He eliminated him, and he had that smile like, "Yeah, I did it. I did it. <laughs> that was me." And the fans in Chicago booed him out the building, and of course they cheered when big. I think it was Big John Studd that eliminated Bill Friendly. So Big John Studd for one mo- moment in time. Was, was a baby, baby face, face. because yeah. he took out Bill Frelick. But that was the beauty of having the celebrity. Well, you know, people might say NFL star, NFL players are not celebrities. Well, you know what? The visionaries. William again, was William Perry was no, no, no. a celebrity. <laughs> but you you know what I'm going with because again, people within the generations are changing their their mode. They're changing their mode of thinking, if you will. Again. Uh, what was it? The, the commissioner at that time, Pete Rosell, was thinking bigger, just like David Stern was thinking bigger with the NBA, just like uh, what's the, the dude's name in the NHL? The commissioner. He was Gary oh Bettman. Gary Bet Gary Bettman. He's thinking bigger. He's thinking globally reflectionized. Everybody is a visionary because they see that there's when when you go mainstream money, 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 money. So now let's move on. And let me put. One name out there, and I, I will call him an MVP, TW, because he did not one but two WrestleManias back-to-back. And he injected so much comedy that it was just so infectious. He made WrestleMania three so enjoyable because WrestleMania three is still my favorite. And not, beca- not only because of the matches, not only because of the match card, but because of one segment was this man was horny for Fabulous Moolah. And in WrestleMania 4, he got chunked the fuck out by Andre the Giant, and he had the face that was so empty. It, it was so funny. But the comedy timing was so infectious, TW. And we got to talk about the contributions of Bob Euchre, who, again, from the baseball world, he was already announced. Was he the announcer for the Cleveland Indians or the Detroit Tigers? I forget. It won the Tigers. It was Indians. Oh, it, it was, was one of those teams. It was a, but, it was a Tiger rival. But... Going from the baseball booth, if you will, to WWF Hall of Famer, because I think he got a Hall of Fame nod yeah. for it. A lot of people said he shouldn't be in the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame. But for those is. two, but for those two WrestleManias, TW, Bob Euchre. With Mary Hart. Hart. He was hitting on Mary Hart too. 
But he, he wanted to fuck Fabulous Moolah first. But <laughs> what to say you about the comedy of Bob Euchre? He, dude, he was awesome. Plus, he was the dad on Mr. Belvedere, man. So he was he was he was someone I knew from the TV show, not mm -hmm. from baseball. And then when he was on there, he was he was he looked. My favorite thing is when guys look like they want to be there. You know what I mean? Bad Bunny looks like he wants to be there. Logan Paul looks like he wants to be there. There's not guys there who just look like they want to collect a check. Like mm -hmm. some guys have. I don't even know who they are because I forgot about them already. But at the yeah. end of the day, um, <clears throat> he he just looked like he was having nothing but a good time there. And that's that's all you can ask for. Like you don't want someone there that looks like they're going to be like, like, you know what? Pam Anderson and Jenny McCarthy. Jenny McCarthy looked like she wanted to be there. Pam Anderson did not. She looked like it was a gig. Where Jenny McCarthy was like, holy shit, this is awesome. You know, that kind of stuff. But that, that's how I remember it. Maybe Pam Anderson loved it too. But it just, Bob Euchre was infectious. And Andre, I, I, as soon as you start talking, I knew you were going with him. And I can still see Andre choking him. And I, I want to say he's still holding the mic. And he's still like, hey, what are you doing? Whatever. He just, he, he was he was awesome, man. He was awesome. I'm surprised he only did two. Well, I thought he did more than two because I felt like he was always there. Maybe, Bob, you could like, look, I need more money. You want me? I can give you everything you need. I can give you the comedy timing. Or maybe he didn't want to. He didn't want to overexpose himself at every WrestleMania, and then people be tired of him. So he he knew two was enough, and that was it. And again, how can you top yourself after getting choked out by Andre the Giant? You can't go any higher than that. That's just my. That could have been him writing them off TV right there. That was his angle. Right. That's just my humble opinion. But Bob Euchre is definitely a celebrity Hall of Famer for WWE. So the floor is yours, TW. Give out a, a celebrity for that you like or didn't like. Bob Euchre selected in 2010. All right, I got one. And mm -hmm. I would say this, is, this, this person is someone who I think it was a mutual benefit, benefit right? Okay. I actually spent a lot of time not liking the guy for a while because I felt like he used WWE to get his foot in the door and then then went to AEW. But it wasn't that. It was, I believe, he was friends with Cody. And that's Steve Arnell, the guy from Arrow. Um, okay. That guy had that SummerSlam match. I think it was a tag match. Him and somebody against Stardust and Goldust. Okay. I don't, do you remember what I'm talking about? I know who you're talking about. I, know, I remember uh, Cody and... He did awesome. I remember thinking this dude is every bit as good as Lawrence Taylor was when he did his match. And mm -hmm. so he did that and he was so good. I thought for sure I'd see him again and then we never saw him again. But the same thing with Lawrence Taylor, he probably whooped his ass. But no, he wasn't done. He ended up in that. Wasn't he part of the, the first all in? The, yeah, he fought yeah. Uh, Christopher Daniels. Yeah. So in a singles match? Mm -hmm. Oh, I got to watch that. I got to find it. So he he did that. And then he showed his money where his mouth is. Recently was canceled, but I absolutely love the show. And I hate that it got canceled, how it ended. But then he gave us Heels, the TV show Heels. And so I think he came in, did that SummerSlam match in 2010s sometime. Ended up doing All In, did that. So he, he didn't just chew it up and spit it out. He came in. He took it serious. He wrestled. And... A lot of people that watch those CW shows like Arrow and Flash was, and all it was, that. It was it was Steve Amell and Pac or Neville against yeah. Stardust and King Barrett. Wow, didn't Wade, even know it was Pac. Wade Barrett. Did not even know it was Pac. Uh, what mm -hmm. I call it, Neville. But uh but yeah, he just I I think I 
that's what I like. I liked it. It wasn't a one-off. He didn't do it to promote Arrow and be done with it. He he did it because clearly the a, dude likes he, wrestling. He, he not only he liked wrestling, but he had an he had an affinity not an affinity, but he had a friendship or a kingship with Cody Rhodes. So right. they knew they were gonna do business with each other. And of course, Cody, you know, before his frustrations against the WWE because he wasn't getting character built, he knew that this was a perfect opportunity. Cody ended up on Arrow. He did no, start. no, but. But remember, Cody was getting frustrated with WWE because of right. the Stardust character. So this was his way of, of trying to get Vince McMahon to notice him that he can deliver on a bigger scale. So bringing Steve Amell in was a no-brainer for him. But it just kept Cody down. But Cody had to leave, build AEW from scratch. And, of course, Steve Amell was loyal to Cody. Not loyal to WWE. Let's be let's right. be real here. He was loyal to Cody, so he was gonna follow Cody wherever he goes. That's why he followed Cody back to WWE. So it's not about him. He loves wrestling, but he's not a brand. He's he's not a brand shill. He's just a man who's loyal to his friends. So with that being said, you know Steve Amell's a good pick, TW. So yep. again, you know the the tag team match. He did his spots. I'll give you that. But if you didn't see the All In match, no. Okay, you got to watch the all-in match between him and Christopher Daniels. Christopher Daniels led him good. He, you know, he took the bumps. And, and Steve Amell, you know, there was a botch here or there. But, no Christopher, Dan no, 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 but Christopher Daniels did so well to protect him and protect the botch. Make it botch list if, if you right, win. Right, right. So it was, it was a good match. So it was a deep, because I think it was either the first or second match on the all-in cards from 2018. So go ahead and see that match. It's on YouTube, available okay. for free. So, yeah. you know, reflection. I let let me go to the other scale of uh, of wrestling because we cannot forget Eric Bischoff, T.W. Eric Bischoff, you know, knew from Vince McMahon what worked in the '80s, so he had to inject his own spin of you know having that celebrity influence into WC, WCW because he wanted to make WCW into the next level. He wanted to make it mainstream. He wanted to make it on even par with WWE. So when he first started TW, you know, he brought in a whole host of celebrities. He also retreaded Mr. T, which was kind of stupid at that time because Mr. T wasn't the same like he was in 1984 in 1994. He brought in Shaquille O'Neal for Hogan's debut match, but it was apropos because Shaquille O'Neal was the king of Orlando being in the Orlando Magic. But I guess the let's say the home run hitting uh, celebrity in infusion, if you will, was two from the NBA. And that was the worm Dennis Rodman and, Car and Carl Malone from the Utah Jazz. And DDP said it himself, reflection, I don't, don't quote me on this, but the highest buy rate, buy rated pay-per-view was when I think it was Bash at the Beach, 1998 TW, when Hollywood Hogan and Dennis Rodman face DDP and Carl Malone. So, you know, with th that injection of Hollywood, of not Hollywood, but sports entertainment, if you will, Celebrities. from the NBA to WCW. But let's not forget the media blitz. Let's not forget the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. It was a match made in heaven for Eric Bischoff. Now, people might say it was kind of too quick. It was just, you know, they were trying to throw things up in the air for ratings purposes, but it got people talking. So what say you about Carmelone and Dennis Rodman? And they stuck around. That's that's what I liked about them. It was like, um, 
I had heat with Carl Malone too, man, because I was a Lakers fan. And then mm -hmm. when him and Gary Payton went there for like league minimum, try to get a ring they didn't earn, and then the Pistons beat them. And that was the only time I ever cheered against the Lakers in the finals is because they were playing against the Pistons. But but Carl Malone, he looked lost in there at times, but so did Robin looked clunky as shit in there at times. And they both looked tiny. That's Carl Malone looked like a beast in the NBA. And then mm -hmm. in the ring, he just he looked tall and skinny, right? But uh but he looked massive in the in the in the court. But but those two guys had a career like that. It wasn't a one off. It was you know. And we keep talking about Mr. T. Like he's in the Hall of Fame, but he he had a career. It wasn't you know the career that a wrestler would have. It was it was a career for a, a celebrity involved in wrestling. But didn't even Carl Malone and 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 um, Robin didn't they do an AEW too? Uh, no. No, maybe 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 Robin, not Malone though. I thought Malone did too, and maybe I thought they did Impact. But uh, anywhere Hogan went, those guys would go. But because Rodman is Hogan's guy, and DDP is Mailman's guy, I think I think they became real friends after mm -hmm. the whatever. Yeah. But but yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. And and if the NBA was pushing it, were they actually still active? Because I don't think Malone was active; he was retired. What year you talking about? Ninety eight. When they had the match. Yeah, they were both active. They were in the oh, yeah, time. What the fuck? They lost to the Pistons in 04 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Damn. We're talking well, about 98. They, they did the finals, and two weeks later, they went to bash at the beach. Yeah. So you already had heat from the NBA finals where the Bulls won. So Carmelo can, like, you know, stiff him, if you will, at bash at the beach to get a little bit of, of one up it's on uh, Dennis Robbins. But I'll say this. I think. Damn, I didn't realize that was all the way back in '98, man. That was you, you was you was wrestling. You was taking chair shots. That's yeah. what it is. I was watching this shit. So Scare, yeah, there scar you go. right there. Los Los Rudos was battling the you know the public enemas. So with that being with that being said, but Dennis Rodman was more committed because he was more. Well, so I wouldn't say more committed. Peacock. No, he was a he was the peacock. He was Dalton Castle before Dalton Castle was born, but. Dennis Rodman did have a match in 1997 with Hulk Hogan against the Giant and the total package Lex Luger. Dennis Rodman had a one-on-one -on -one match with the Macho Man Randy Savage at Road Wild 1999 TW. So I'm just trying to give you more credence that Dennis Rodman had more staying power within WCW. And, of course, Eric Bischoff paid him a ton of money, 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 money. So Carl, Carl, but Carl Malone came back. He wasn't there just once. No, he did a he did a night he did a couple of nitros, but he only did that bash at the beach, and that was it. So okay. that so I'm just being real here, you know. No, I believe it. You'd know so, better than I would. Yeah. So I'm just being real. So you know, TW again. I don't like to haga. This is your show too, so I need you to give me another name of, of a celebrity influence that you liked or did not like, or just you know one of those. Well, I'm gonna do it not for me, but I'm gonna do it. Because this one helped turn the tide. This is JB's pick is Mike Tyson. And okay. and Mike Tyson, this is post-prison Mike Tyson, I think, or is it pre? Post, yeah. Post. And 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 not only did he just it wasn't a one-off, the Raw got a huge draw when he came to Raw. The mm -hmm. whole thing with the push with him and Austin was all over the news. Um, and it got people looking at Austin, right? And and then in the end, the swerve 
where he rips off the DX shirt to have the Austin 316 shirt. It was like you sent everybody home happy and you made everybody love Mike Tyson again because they were mad at him for being in DX. But it was all a sw they swerved the swervers and it was just such a great thing. And I think he's been on AEW. Yes, he has. He was on yeah. AEW and he there's the uh, the meme of him yawning during the AEW match like this. <laughs> I don't I I'm not being a hater. It just it was the, it, it is there. It is a meme. But since you said Mike Tyson, we have to at least give this logistic out. Vince McMahon paid him a ton of money. He got paid five million dollars for the run. The run that he had from January of 1998 to I WrestleMania. I think they got their money's worth. That's the thing. This is like you said, it turned the tide, but Mike Tyson, as they said at that time, was the king of pay-per-views. Every time that he was on a pay-per-view billing, TW, they were getting million, million plus buys all the time. So if you had a million plus buys at what was it, $49.99 at that time in 1998. Well, no, but let's be fair here because it, it wasn't that extreme with pay-per-view, maybe 60 bucks. Maybe it was 60 bucks. Fine, I'll go 59.95. But WrestleMania costs more than the rest of them. I'm just saying for 1998 economics, I think it might have been 60 bucks. I might have been. So let's say 60 bucks, but a million dollars a buy at 60 bucks a pop, a million dollars. million dollars. Right there. So that's yeah. he was worth it if he would get you a million plus buys. So Vince McMahon needed people to see the WWF product in 1998. Yeah. So, you know. Vince McMahon would have loved to ha have done a stadium in 1988 with Tyson involved in that match. He would have had 100,000. He could have sold out maybe the, uh, what was it, the Los Angeles Sports Arena or, or the, the Coliseum. You know where I'm talking about. Where it was, Rose Bowl. they wanted the Rose Bowl. They wanted to do 100,000 a couple of years prior to that, but they couldn't. But if they had Tyson on the building and, the, and it was just, you know, the stars didn't align with the, the venue. They did Boston, but again, he got his money's worth, like T.W. said. T.W., I lost you on your picture. but Man, some fucking spammer just tried to call me and it split my screen. It wasn't me. It must have I know, been one, no. It's some clown named Grace Williams. Must, must, have been one of, must have been one of those prostate guys that want to see about that mustache of yours. That's what it is. Yeah, that's it. How the fuck do I get this back to full screen? No, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Leave no, it I'm staring at it over here on the sidebar. I gotta you're good. I'm recording the thing. So neither here nor there. But again, T.W., let's put a bow on it. Mike Tyson, what say you about what he did? Because, again, the, the money part, he was worth every penny of it. But what it, what did it do to you? Or what did it do? I lost you again. But what, what did it do? That stupid bitch keeps trying to call me, man. <laughs> I don't know. What the hell? But anyway, T.W., put a bow on Mike Tyson. Um, Mike Tyson. I am a huge Mike Tyson fan. I absolutely um, feel like he got... I don't care if I make people mad about this. I think he got absolutely hosed in that whole prison thing. Um, he's the most honest person you have seen in your life. And his press conference after he got out proved to me he absolutely did not do it. Um, he, has, but, he, has, he has no filter. I'll give you that. Right. How do you get this thing back to the full screen, damn it? Um, You're good so far. Uh, allow incoming video. No. There. we go. Got rid of that shit. <laughs> I don't see you no more. Oh, yeah, I got to turn I'm, that back on. It doesn't let you be incoming video. <laughs> I'm good. I'm recording the call. So go ahead, TW. Just answer your question. Just answer the question. Um, all right. I can't do it. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. So anyway, I'm a huge fan of his. I uh, 
I'm glad that he helped wrestling and he didn't hurt it. You know, like that was basically, um, Oh my God, this fucking thing, that damn stupid spam. But anyways, he, he, he he changed the game, man. He's the reason WCW got bought by WWE because when they were on their last legs, he hit that last one, two punch, and knocked him out and and changed the tide. And they were they were chasing WWE ever since that to the point where they just went and sold for peanuts. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest, TW. Not every celebrity infusion was a total home run or a total success. So we have to go into another genre. Well, not a genre, if you will, but. In 1995, we have to acknowledge this. It wasn't a home run, but I think Vince McMahon thought that his his stature was bigger. But in in actuality, TW, he was only in the East Coast, and that was Lawrence Taylor. But he had a great dance partner in Bam Bam Bigelow for WrestleMania in Hartford, Connecticut. Now, I'm you know people, the hardcores can say it's the worst WrestleMania ever, whatever the case may be. But Vince McMahon thought that Lawrence Taylor could still offer that mainstream appeal. He is one of the greatest linebackers in NFL history. No doubt about it. But I don't think I think that Vince McMahon thought that he can inject more crossover appeal. But that's just not what Lawrence Taylor had. He had the for the game itself. He was it was beautiful. But outside of that, in terms of of charisma. I didn't see it, and I'm being honest. And I'm a, I'm not saying I was a Giant fan, but you know I, I kept up with the Giants. So let's say about you know the let's say not not the home run, but let's say the bunt tip of Lawrence Taylor for WrestleMania. He was he looked like a fish out of water, like the promos and stuff like that. But when you saw him getting interviewed in the NFL or interviewed on ESPN or interviewed something like that, he was like Deion Sanders. <laughs> like he had he had people with him. Well, dude, what what is going on? <laughs> I just blocked about seven people, and another one just came through. They, um, they all they all want you now. I don't know. I've never answered one. So um, he just, but again, this is why I always harp on him. He did the work, man, and, and I'm telling you, he put on a good match. And you you know how. Like in high school, if you wrestled or football or baseball or hockey or whatever, soccer, they tell you to give your all. That man gave his all in that match. And he walked out of that match, the winner. Mm-hmm. He walked out of there respected by Bam Bam Bigelow because I know Bam Bam Bigelow was laying it on him. Because that's the other thing. You had guys that, that didn't like when they brought in outside people to wrestle. And they put it on him because they wanted him to say, hey, man, this shit ain't no cakewalk. And... It said, your, well, well, it said much from Vince McMahon to put a lot of trust into Bam Bam Bigelow. Absolutely. To put Lawrence yeah. Taylor over like that. Because yeah. if you hurt him, nobody else is doing it again. They're not getting no more football guys or any sport. Um, so mm-hmm. he got him to take care of him, but also, you know, learn him. And and I would say he, he said the same thing that your favorite boxer just said recently. Wrestling's the hardest thing I've ever done. This dude mm-hmm. played linebacker in the NFL got run over by Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, and Tom Rathman, and Mike Allsop. Guys like that are just knocking you down, and he still thinks that that match was the hardest thing he's ever done in his life. And it is. It is. And there's a difference when you do it and you love it versus you're doing it because you're getting paid to do it, right? And 
And that's when, for me, that's when I started knowing the writing was on the wall for me, maybe not wanting to pursue wrestling anymore. I think I told you this before. I used to wake up and wish it was a day I was booked. And then I would wake up the day I was booked. I was whistling all the way down on the ride, two, three hour drive, whatever. I lived for it, man. I lived for it in the locker room. I lived for it in the ring. Then it got to the point where I didn't even want to go. But once I was there, I was glad I showed up. And then it got to the the point. The adrenaline kicked in. That's what it it, it did that. And then lastly, I I didn't even want to go. I was there. I wanted to get it over with. But once I got in the ring, I was there's nowhere else I wanted to be. And then it just got to the point where those other things overwhelmed me and they weren't enough to get me in the ring to want to do it. Right. So that's when I kind of knew the, 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 the bloom was off the rose, if you will. But I think I told you this before, when I first started training in December of 93, which next month will be 30 years ago, damn it. Hurt. Um, nothing hurt, nothing hurt. Cause I had that adrenaline, every bump I took, every clothesline, every, turnbuckle every rope i left there with a smile on my face and then when i had my first three matches up in canada and came back and started going to the school to practice again every single thing hurt and it's because it's different when you're in front of people than when you're not after you've been in front of people and lawrence taylor and your boy you didn't say his name i said your favorite boxer and i personally didn't say his name in case you were saving him no, you go ahead. This is your Tyson your, Fury. There you go. He's he not my he's favorite boxer. He said he's all done with boxing or wrestling because he said boxing's easier. He says yeah. line people up and knock them down. He goes that wrestling, taking them bumps, doing all that. He goes that shit hurt. Mm-hmm. Well, again, Lawrence Taylor. You know, as long as you respect it, then you'll know. And he did, and he did. How, I, how I true to life wrestling is. You know, yeah, people could say, "Well, I can do that. It's too easy." You know, people. You can tell those people who. Who try to do it a little bit reflection ice and like tw says they don't have the passion for it it's maybe a quick money grab and then you could just kick them out you already know who's who loves this business and who doesn't love the, who loves the money so there's and, a- and wrestling school like you know my class was me and a few other guys uh basically me rhino and rico were the only ones that that made it out other guys mm-hmm. had a couple matches and they just they fell off. And then you had classes where it would start and there'd be like six, seven guys, and then a week later it'd be two. Cause four of them like fuck that. Cause right. dude, it, it ain't for everybody. Right. It's uh, when the money when you think about the money is one thing, but then right. when you have to see how much work you have to put into it, reflection when, when you get your receipt, it's another. Right. It's another. So with that being said, we have to at least I want to acknowledge one of the greatest crossovers from the celebrity world into wrestling who has made it a hall of fame career. We cannot, we cannot deny this TW, but Mike Mizanin, AKA yeah. the Miz who went from MTV's, the real world who already on MTV created the Miz character. And he's and annoyed he to be it. And, and annoyed the six roommates that he had in New York who did the challenge, who did tough enough has parlayed that into a was it you 20 year. a 20 year career I met him in 2005 <laughs> wow but we have to at least acknowledge that crossover again with the miz what you said tw miz exemplifies that because what does he have the passion so what say you about the miz like i said 
I pick up the name, I'll drop it again. When I met him at the Survivor Series in 05, it was my last thing I did for almost four years, um, almost five. Um, he sat there, people shunned him. Like, if you could see in that locker room how they treated people, I, I've said this before. My first big locker room was WCW Great American Bash 95. Um, people were awesome to me. Booker T's introducing himself to me. Eric Bischoff's asking me who I am. Ric Flair's making me and Rhino move because we're in the production area. But everyone was nice. Aaron sent me on a beer run. And then 10 years later, I'm in the WWE locker room. People are fucking side-eyeing us. They're looking at us like they want to fight us. Because the difference was there was no more WCW. Everybody was there to take your job. And the two guys that got shunned while I was there, well, actually, four people got shunned. Uh, Miz, no one talked to him. No one talked to uh, Matt Stryker because they felt like they didn't earn it. Like, you, you guys are just here because of MTV and because of the Newsweek or New York Times article or whatever. Um, and and I talked to him because I was like, hey, man, blah, blah, blah. And he talked to me. He was an absolute, he told me he was focusing on wrestling. He wasn't doing MTV stuff no more. And here he is almost 20 years later, the two-time Grand Slam guy. He paid it for it. They love him there. So imagine going from being the guy nobody talked to, to basically being the the guy you know that everyone comes to because he's the, the what do you call it the uh, stalwart. He's always there. You can count on him. They're the, the, the dependable wait, one. Wait, wait till he goes to AEW. Let's see how those AEW marktards say that they didn't like the Miz, and then they'd be like, "Oh, it's the game changer." If, if he went to AEW, I'd be stunned. Why I would be? Because he. He seems like a grateful man who is grateful for how you it turned be out. Grateful. You can be grateful for the business. You can be grateful for the opportunity, but you have to be, you have to still protect your brand. You have to still protect yourself. Right. Still and your business. brand, I'll bet you a hundred bucks they own the name The Miz. And he ain't going there as The Miz. I bet you he owns it himself. Uh -uh. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I guarantee no he owns that. They got microphones with his shit on. There's no way they didn't put money into that. Trust but me, either way. Either way, there's going to have to be an AEW when his contract runs out for him to go there. But just, but he still he has the passion for the business. Absolutely, and and, and, and I'm I dude I am happy for the guy guys. Look at this. I can't believe I didn't grab it right away. Shit, right there, buddy, right there. Mm -hmm. But uh, he just he he earned it, man. There's no doubt in my mind that guy earned it. Uh, he changed his body. He stayed in shape all these years. He's got a hot ass wife. Um. And he parlayed it into reality star again. He went from reality star to wrestler to reality star wrestler. And mm -hmm. and 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 it's just he's just he's earned it, man. And that's I'm glad you brought him up because I thought you were gonna bring up someone else. But I thought, damn, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame career already? Shit. It was Pat yeah. McAfee is who I thought you were going with. Because there's something to be said for him because he has his podcast, he has his platforms where he just got this multi-deal to go. I think he went to ESPN from mm -hmm. Barstool or wherever he was at. Um, he's a brand to his own and, yeah. and, and he clearly loves it. And that's what I like about him. I like when he shows up on unannounced and, and just, he just, he, li he loves it, man. He, wish, he wishes there was two of him. So this way he can yeah. have one person to do WWE and one person to do the ESPN thing. So he could get all that money. So he, but right. he loves to do WWE. And stuff. he's smart enough to know that, yeah, he can <coughs> more money right now. Because the WWE, if they really want to make it, just say, look, we'll give you this. What are you making there? We'll make you can make that and this here. But he can do what he's doing at ESPN until he's 80. He ain't gonna yes. be doing that in the wrestling ring. 
Yeah. But he, he still parlayed that into a brand for himself, and he loves the business of professional wrestling, and he loves the WWE in 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 part two. Let's, uh, you know, we can name a lot of celebrities, TW, and this would be a five-hour show, so I'm going to try to condense this now because we have to remember one person here, too, who is, you know, very polarizing for the Reflectionites. Again, I'm not going to get political here, so some people call him the greatest president ever in the history uh. <laughs> of the United States of America. Some people call him the worst. But again, I'm not going on either aisle. I don't give two fucks. But there is a connection between this man and Vincent Kennedy McMahon Jr. This man allowed WWE to host WrestleMania in his domain two times, four and five. And of course, he actually um, he actually takes credit for having the highest buy rated WrestleMania of all time. He said it, not me. I don't know if it's true, but the WrestleMania in Detroit, the Battle of the Billionaires. I was there. And we have to talk about the president, Donald J. Trump, T.W. So, you know, the connection between Donald J. Trump and Vince McMahon is there since the 80s. And, of course, it was apropos for them to do an angle. First, it started with the, uh, the raw general manager thing. Then it just parlayed to the Battle of the Billionaires in Detroit, Rock City, T.W., but Donald Trump and WWE go hand in hand. So what say you about the president, Donald J. Trump? This, this right here is why he is who he is and why he's so successful. On paper, anyone, obviously you'd have to know about WrestleMania Connection. That was all business. That was using our venue. It made him money. It made them money. But Donald Trump, on paper, you would never, ever in a million years, pre-President Trump, would think he would be anywhere near a professional wrestling show, right? He he came off as bigger than that. That's tacky. That's beneath me. All that. Yet he knew that's where the common people were, like the everyday average person. Wrestling, if you ever watch a wrestling show and just scan the audience, it's a little bit of everybody, right? It, it's It brings every race together. It, at one time, it brought both genders together. Now it brings all of them together. Um, was, you need, I can tell you ain't listening because that was a joke for you. But uh, but anyways. I, I multitask too. It, I know you missed my joke, and I got to repeat it because it either fell flat and people are going to get mad at me either way. But it was funny to me. But anyway, he, he, he wrestling unites people, I think. And mm-hmm. you know, much like sports do in general, but wrestling is a little bit more because I've been to a wrestling show where you could tell the person in the front row has money and the person two rows behind him does not. And they're high-fiving each other. Same thing at hockey games or whatever, but wrestling's more affordable than hockey. There's a lot of poor people in hockey games because of how much it costs sometimes. Uh, basketball too, football, but when they suck, everybody can go, right? But anyway, I digress. Trump knew and it's like when he ran for president, you know, a lot of people don't talk about this because they're too busy saying he stole it. But there was a point where Hillary did not do the flyover states, which is the Midwest, right? Mm-hmm. He did it in a fucking van or a car and he won. And it's because he went to everybody to make everybody think he was for them. Whereas someone else is like, no, nope, I'm going here, 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 because they're more important to be involved in wrestling is again there was a stigma to it man that that people that like wrestling were lowbrow that it was but, a lowbrow but again by the time Donald Trump is doing it he's it's not there's no stigma anymore I know it's, it's not I, it's not a stigma to the world but there's still those old people the old guard who still think that way 
It's the same thing with any category. Pick a category. People still I, say I have to. Country. I have to push back a little that bit because country. again, we're we're moving into this now. We're naming names. By the time Donald J. Trump is there, lifestyles of the rich and famous, all this stuff, and what Vince McMahon did. You're, you're not. I understand what you're saying as a society. Yes, I'm saying the people who thought it was tacky still thought it was tacky. It just they, wasn't. They, they were not making money and they were out of business. Yes. Vince McMahon proved them, proved them wrong. And right. Donald Trump was so the to see life. him there means he's like that, not mm -hmm. like you would have thought he was. That's my point. Okay. He isn't what I thought he was. Like I thought he would be like, fuck wrestling. You know, because those people still exist. I meet people now when I tell them I was arrested, they're like, you did that? It's like, fuck you, what'd you do, buddy? I chased the dream, motherfucker. No matter what it was, I chased the dream. What'd you do? Chase money. Mm -hmm. I'm happier than you. But talk about your ex You said you was there. Talk I was there. The I was as a fan. My buddy won tickets on the radio. I went as a fan. Talk about the I, atmosphere, about the battle of the billion. The match sucked, but the battle of the billionaires, because that was a it horrible was over. It was over. And when he tried escaping, and I think it was Austin that stopped him. Somebody, or Lashley, somebody stopped him and put him back in the ring and shaved his head. And it, the place went crazy. Mm -hmm. Vince got shaved, not Trump. Anyway. Yeah. The whole thing was over, man. The, the the thing was over, and and him being there, and, he, and it's obviously I'm just, he was there. I'm just saying that the Donald Trump spear was was horrible to Vince oh, McMahon. All of it was. I'm just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Talk about all that. Was it all Austin? That. It was Umaga versus Lashley. Yeah, Austin yeah. versus Austin was the referee. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, I have, remember, Cena, I have a better memory, and I wasn't there. That is that was so Cena bad. versus uh, Michaels, and Michaels tapped to the damn. Yeah. STF and I was mad, but uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, and it was I, a good show. I, I, I want to go back a, a little bit. Let's rewind this back. Okay. People move. say I have a hard time because you're gonna have to remind me who else was on this show. People think that the Lawrence Taylor WrestleMania is the worst WrestleMania ever. Yes. Which one is it? WrestleMania 11? I thought is 10 the good one. 10 was MSG. What is that? Michael's ladder match 10. Yeah. Okay, that's a good one. I, if you're telling me that the Lawrence Taylor Bam Bam Bigelow match is on the same show of Doink versus Crush, where Macho that's, Man was that's doing WrestleMania Nine, that's the fucking worst one. It ain't. It ain't eleven. I'm not saying I agree with we, it. We I'm just saying people, people have. It's been people have voted. WrestleMania 11 is the worst WrestleMania. I'm not making this shit up. I'm gonna go back and look at the the the, the card. The match card is Ray always says. Just Google worst WrestleManias and you'll see these links. And WrestleMania 11 is either the second or the worst WrestleMania ever. It's, it's got to be nine. Nine has to be the worst one. Doink versus Crush. That was actually or, a good match. But we're not talking about matches well, here. We're, we're hanging them up in the. We're thing. not talking about matches. We're talking about celebrities. Okay. I'm talking about that fucking eleven is not worse than nine. We have a show. You've been yeah. getting spam right. calls. We're past. From... We're past Trump. Who you got next? Well, you could go. You have a name. Do you have a thought? Do you have a celebrity? This okay, guy. we'll talk about him. This guy about... in the last week about the present. is everywhere he's got the belt at usc which isn't really that big a deal because they're the same company um but mm -hmm. he's he's on fox business with the belt he's on 
uh, what, he's whatever having sex morning with show. his fiance with the belt on. So it's beautiful stuff. He's what? He's having sex with the belt on with his wife. Yeah, he's showering. He's taking that belt everywhere. It's it's you know it's funny because there's people that are man, you get the belt to a part timer. Yet this whole press tour is say I'm retired from boxing and I'm going to be a full time wrestler, and I won my first belt. Anyway, picture him being on all these things mm-hmm. without that belt. It doesn't have the same hit. When you see him with that belt, like when you see NFL teams celebrating with the belt they give them for winning the Super Bowl, the MLB guys winning, it makes you think now of wrestling, not just that you're looking at Logan Paul. Well, there's a, there's, a, there's a different dimension with Logan Paul, and I don't dispute that. The, the dimension is now, what do you gain from Logan Paul? And this is where the WWE is trying to see. Because this is a different metric, TW. So follow me yep. here, here. Yeah, yeah. Logan Paul has, let's say, 50 million TikTok subscribers. I don't have a TikTok, so I'm not a subscriber. But he has 50 million. So he he is a influencer par excellence. People know that name, Logan Paul, the Paul brother. I want to say he had more and lost some because of that no, incident. Right. But he had he had the YouTube channel with him and his brother, Jake yep. Paul. Yep. And they parlayed that to that's TikTok. the one that he had more. Yeah. They parlayed that into other business ventures. But like you said, the controversy with the YouTube thing and, and the stuff in China, I forgot what it was. Japan. But or Japan. Suicide force. Yeah. But they knew for themselves they had to market and branch out. So what did they do? They took advantage of the sports atmosphere. Whether in at the first this is the way I'll look at it for myself. If you disagree, go ahead. Disagree. I think they wanted to take advantage of boxing. They wanted to take advantage of wrestling to see what they gain out of that. But out of taking advantage of it, we see how dedicated the Pauls are. Jake Paul and Logan Paul are dedicated. They take the boxing seriously. Now, picking the opponents, that's a different story. That's where the traditionalists say they don't take it seriously. But they train. They take it as serious as possible, and they try to make it as 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 eventful as Logan possible. Paul fought Floyd Merriweather. <laughs> what, what? Who like, better again, can you fight? Again, traditionalists don't right. respect them, like you say right. with wrestling people. I'm giving you, I'm giving you your what you're talking about when it comes to wrestling people. When it comes to people not liking wrestling, it's right. the same thing. Yeah. Logan Paul took it a step further to become the Deion Sanders. And do boxing and wrestling. So he knew that the only company that he could do what he can do in at his own time, his own schedule, was the WWE. But again, what we see in the ring, as a wrestling fan, you and I, we see passion. We yeah. see him taking this shit seriously. We see a guy Innovation. that we see a guy who's not in not only a year into wrestling, look like he's been doing it for 10, 12 years. And he's got it. He's got the timing. He's got the psychology. He doesn't have the, he doesn't have the, uh, let's say the interview promo showmanship skills just yet. That's the only full pop that I'll say. Well, but he also, he's doing what he does on his podcast. So he's doing yeah. that. He's going to have to adjust it to make it. No, no, but more... he hasn't, he hasn't perfected it. That's all I'm right. going to say, but right. that's the only full pop, but he is leaps and bounds ahead of a lot of AEW marks. He's leaps and bounds ahead of NXT marks. He's leaps and bounds ahead of even the indie marks. So let's say, you, again, you he's, say Logan Paul. He's on it. that Kurt Angle. 
like just unnatural. Just like Ronda wasn't got better and then somehow became Luger and got worse, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Regressed. Logan, right. uh, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you fucking hate WWE. And I put that in quotes because I don't think any of those guys really. The, the ones bitching about the AEW hate say, why can't we love all the wrestling? We all win. Are the same ones bashing it. They're watching it. And I don't care who you are. If you've seen it, one of the most impressive things I have ever seen in my damn life was ricocheting him at the Royal Rumble. With No matter how much sense it did make for them to do it, they did it. They did it to perfection. They did the Hogan Warrior double clothesline from a springboard on opposite sides of the ring and landed it with nobody getting hurt. That mm-hmm. is absolutely incredible. And it's a moment that at 50 years old popped me, which I was 49 when it happened. Whereas there's stuff I, I fast forward, I just fast forward to NXT, started and SmackDown. I, I fast forward through a lot of shit. And there's few people that make me stop and watch it no matter what and and watch it. L.A. Knight's one of them. Um, Cody uh, and Logan Paul. If Logan Paul is in there, I watch it. I'm not saying it's good every time, but I give it the chance to make me think it's good. Right. And the match with Seth was good. The match with Roman was good. The match with Ricochet was good, even though they almost fucking killed each other. I know, it was actually a ladder, wasn't it? The TLC it wasn't just that. He, he he was in TL. He was in the Money in the Bank the ladder match. Yeah, where they did the the moonsault through the tables. Mm-hmm. Oh, that fuck that one that he did the Rey Mysterio, the fall away slam moonsault from the top rope. Mm-hmm. That's nuts! Absolutely crazy to me yeah. that he's willing to do it when he's already worth, if not billions, close to getting there. And it's, he's, a, he's a multimillionaire. I'll give you that. That's somebody who loves to do it. And those are my favorite. That's why I didn't like Goldberg. And then I did because he came back to do it for his kid. Now I like him. I didn't like him when he did it for the money. I didn't like Luger when he did it for the money. And then, you know, he ended up being my favorite. But the bottom line is when you give back to the wrestling business because you know it gives you so much, it shows the gratitude shows and like i was watching that uh al snow the ovw thing where he said what i always say to you i watch the people in the ring when they come out with the belt and look at the look on their face and generally can tell if they're winning or losing that match and if they're losing their belt and al said that on that show if logan paul loses that ball belt tomorrow night on smackdown or whatever night smackdown's on he will have the same look on his face when he comes to that ring, whether he's winning or losing, because he's doing it for the love of it, not because he thinks he's entitled to have the belt. He probably—I don't think he cried when he won the belt, but it looked like it was close. I think he like cried he couldn't when believe he believe it. I think he cried when he took that picture with Triple H, like in the back. So right, because he couldn't believe it. Like yeah, that he, means he appreciates it, man. That's that's all you want. The, rea- the reality sunk in for Logan Paul that you know what he watched as a little kid. Growing up, now he's living the dream. Not living the dream, but living his moment. In he essence. Might been, he, that might have been his dream. Oh, and real quick, just go back to what you're saying about them and taking advantage of stuff. When they first started doing that, I only knew who they were because of my daughters. That's it. I, that, that's, I didn't watch them. I didn't do anything. And when they first started talking about the, the brothers fighting PSI or KSI or whatever his name is, it mm-hmm. to me came off as celebrity deathmatch. It came off as phony. 
I thought it was all right. work. And they were doing that, and that's why I said traditionalists didn't take it seriously. And even right. the, the proper opponents that they picked, that's why people didn't. Did, um, but until Floyd Mayweather, until he took it seriously, yeah, that's yeah. where. I, that's, and and and, that's and he point. walked out of there being respected because he didn't get killed. People thought right. he was going to get killed, and then didn't go. He lost by a uh, decision. It was it was it was yeah. He lost by decision to Floyd, or it was and drawn. People were like, "Holy shit." But that's you know what though, <coughs> Mayweather style. He doesn't bring it to you. He makes you bring it to him. And if you don't, you're gonna have a draw. So um, well, people people thought that Floyd was gonna bring it to him and bring him back to reality, but he didn't. So either mm -hmm. way, but because yeah, he 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 was bigger than Floyd too though, wasn't he? Wasn't it different weights? It wasn't about it wasn't about the weight. It was just about he didn't bring it. He, a boxer. I understand did not that, but I'm saying if a 220 pound guy punches a 180 pound guy in the face. Fucking hurts a little bit, Professor. That's what I'm saying. Floyd, I'm, Floyd is a welterweight, isn't he? Is he welterweight? Uh, that's what I'm saying. There's there was a big difference in weight. I'm saying he didn't well, bring it. Logan, he didn't I, don't think Logan, I don't either. think Logan's 220. I think he's like one. He's like 200, maybe 190. Like you say, he looks he's bigger tall. than what he is. I'll tell you exactly what he is if it's on the box. Hopefully, is he 220? Because then I'll be surprised. The, he's, he's very lengthy, dude. I thought he was like six three, two twenty, two thirty. Maybe six three two hundred. Who knows? But anyway, let's uh, try to put a bow on this again because this could be a five hour thing. So I just want to acknowledge one thing: there was a time with WWE during the two thousand tens. Do you remember this for every Monday night on Raw? The guest general manager. Some of them, it. yeah, you hated it. Some of it, some of it was kind of hokey. Some of it was kind of stupid. But two were actually one of the greatest. Guest general managers of all time. Who 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 are you doing? You know, I don't think I you even have talk, to... I know one of them you're about to say. Who? Give me Bob Barker. There you go. Talk happy about Bob. Gilmore. That's Happy Gilmore, man. Bob Barker injected the prices right to uh, Monday Night Raw. It was one of the most uh, infamous Monday Night Raws of all time because Bob Barker and Chris Jericho, again, you needed a great antagonist, and Bob Barker and Chris Jericho was that. So what say you about Bob Barker? It was phenomenal. And, and, and you know, he recently passed away this year. Um, absolutely grew up watching that guy, you know. Back in Detroit with no cable, 11 o'clock every day, I watched Price is Right Monday through Friday when it was summer. And, uh, he was all. I popped for him in Happy Gilmore. I popped for him when him and Adam Sandler re, revisited that over the years. They would do spots. Um, I liked it. Jericho and him basically referenced it, um, and it just it was awesome. And it's it's cool because I'm sure I could catch Price's Right reruns anywhere I want. But it's awesome to know that I could turn on Happy Gilmore and watch him. I could turn on Peacock, put it on the episode of Raw with him on there, watch it again. The dude's timeless. He brought he brought to the show. He didn't take from it. Um, he's in the Hall of Fame, uh, mm -hmm. and deservedly so. He just he just seemed like a good guy. And if he taught you anything, he taught you to spade and neuter your pets. Absolutely. And the and the last one we'll close it out. Tw is the other guest general manager that was a total success because arr, it was Pee Wee's Playhouse. Pee Wee <laughs> Herman was one another. If Bob Barker I think was he died one, this year too, you damn yeah, Grim Reaper. <laughs> you're the Grim Reaper. I haven't. I'm just celebrating the celebrities. But Pee Wee, if if Bob Barker was number one, then Pee Wee was number two or one and one eight. They were the best general managers of that genre. 
So what say you about Pee Wee Herman? Put a bow on this so this way we could close out this line. I, I don't remember Pee Wee as much um, as, as the Bob Barker stuff. Um, but well, well, I I'll remember just, being I'll just well say received. This. He did the Pee Wee's Playhouse segments and he needed his antagonist and that antagonist was the Miz. So yeah. whatever the secret word was and the Miz said it, you had 10,000 people laughing at the Miz when he kept saying the secret word and it just meshed. It was so yeah, it, 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 it was well received. I want to say this before we stop though. One of the worst ones for me were the two dudes that cracked me up when I see it cuz I'm not a big Saturday Night Live fan as I I their jokes are too long whatever. But the two comedian guys, the one guy's black, the other guy's white, and they write racist shit for each other to say. Oh, you know, the talk- Weekend Update guys, yeah. Yeah, the Weekend Update guys. Those got Kyle or something? I don't know. Anyway, those guys on Monday Night Raw and then end up doing a match, I think at WrestleMania or Royal Rumble or something. They were in the Rumble? I don't know. It was horrible. I hated it. It looked forced. They looked like they didn't want to be- Well. The white. Oh, you mean? Oh, you mean when they did that shit with Braun Strowman? Yeah, it was just. Oh, yeah, that that was horrible. It was horrible, and that's that's to me. I felt like there was more of that with those celebrity GMs every week. There were more misses than hits. Mm -hmm. Al Sharpton was a was a definite miss. Oh, I didn't even remember that. But like my biggest peeve with Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, whatever the fuck, is that he can never keep a straight face. Like. To me, it's it's a lacking of professionalism. I'm not saying he's unprofessional, but that particular thing is is lacking professionalism. And those two guys, the whole time, whether Braun was whooping their ass or not, looked like they were going to piss their pants crying like they were kindergartens. Which is fine. It means they were having fun, right? I'm not going to fall for that. But it's why you shouldn't put them on your TV show when it's live. Because it's making it look silly. Well, it's it's. I guess it served a purpose for brand awareness and all that stuff. But like you, like you said... Not everything's a home run. Just like when Snoop Dogg was on AEW television, he did the worst splash in the history of celebrities doing a wrestling maneuver. And with that being said... Uh, his people's elbow at WrestleMania was pretty bad, too. Well, there you go. He, he did two bad moves in two different organizations. So, Snoop Dogg, you win the prize on that one. And with that being said, we close on this PWR Spotlight, the celebrity edition of the PWR Spotlight here at the Hami Media Group at popbeam.com. So, TW, it's apropos that we are in the month of November. So to close out the Thanksgiving, we have to do a Survivor Series episodic episode. So, you know, with the Travis Volt rules, I'm picking 2009 from Madison Square Garden, and that main event was John Cena defending the title against Triple H and HBK Shawn Michaels. So, Get your, you know, get your peacock going and watch Survivor Series 2009. And we will talk about it next time here at the Hami Media Group at PowerBeam.com. So with that being said, TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here. All righty then. Pro Wrestling Coalition Network sponsors us at PWC Network at PodBean.com. And then the Hami Media Group is at PodBean.com as well. They're also on ChannelAttitude.com. And our Twitter is at PWReflection. It's X. I don't know why. I still don't know why they changed it. Whatever. But it's at at PW Reflection. Um, I talked about our good man JB. So at the or I'm sorry the at the P1 JB. If you want to hit him up and tell him to get his ass on the Zoom Skype, whatever this is we're doing, where I'm getting crank calls, 
and join us for an episode. That was JB Talk- calling you in, in, with so many uh, types of uh, yeah. spamming. Spit it out, buddy. Spit it out. <laughs> yeah, I, I lost my words. I'm getting old. <laughs> and then today, I watched Big Ray's. Uh, if, you, if you're not following Big Ray, please do. You His, if they're not all hits, Ray, I'm going to tell you that because he was happy that I was putting him over today on it. But, uh, he does his finishing maneuver Friday. Doesn't know if he calls it Friday finish maneuver, whatever. But then puts the, the font up. But uh, today I watched one where he said AEW is getting dangerous, and I promise you, he st- he starts off saying it's it's probably going to be brief, and then immediately says it's probably going to be the longest one I've ever done, and goes on to be that. But he he cracks me up the whole the whole deal, and I wrote to him. Get, AEW's getting dangerous. They've been dangerous since the presser announced in their existence. They've been dangerous. And he was talking about Daniel Bryan's eye popping out of his socket. His his animation talking about it was it was one of the best ones I've ever seen him do. And I'm sure when he was done, he probably didn't think nothing of it. But it, it, I cracked up when he said, "Let me talk to you." But he didn't say it like LA Knight. And then he looked sideways, and then he inserted LA Knight saying, "Yeah, um, all that That's- stuff." I just That's hope Ray knows that I watch it. I pop for it. Um, but that one, I felt like I had to tell him that I pop for the whole thing because it was killing me. Um, That's why he's the executive producer extraordinaire. Right. So you can follow him. The good thing is, whether it's Twitter, X, uh, Reels, um, Snapchat, uh, TikTok, Facebook, anything, Instagram, it's at Big Ray Hernandez. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Type it in. Follow them all. I think he even does one of the little things where you can click on all his follows and, and do that if you find it. But uh, it's worth it. And then you can find him every Wednesday on the Next Level Podcast. And you can find me on X. Listen, I, I just going to tell you this right now, Professor. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling with this for a couple days now. I absolutely think I'm getting rid of threads because Instagram likes to throw them in in between the thing. And it's always something I disagree with. So it's not adding to my life. Yes, nothing but agitation. I go there and I get ugly with these people and I just think, what would Jesus do? He wouldn't do that. So rather than participate in these, and again, I'm not saying I'm right all the time, but I'm saying the stuff that I respond to is they're so wrong that I can't not respond to it. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna cancel threads, but until I do, I'll still give out that one. So you can find me at Instagram and X and threads at Tommy Wonder 19. You can find me on Instagram and X at the Tommy Wonder, where I'm also on TikTok is at the Tommy Wonder. My Snapchat is number wonder, Facebook.com, or yeah, backslash Tommy Wonder. And then Dum Dum Do an Idiot. We might be doing the one chip challenge again. It'll be our third one. We want to get it in before December ends so that we can do the fourth one in 2024. If it still exists after they got rid of it because of that kid dying it from stores. But uh Dumb Dumb Duo and an Idiot on YouTube. And then you can catch Big Vito and Noel on their stuff at bigvitobrand.wixsite.com, patreon.com backslash the Big Vito brand. And you can watch the early release of reflection videos at twitch.tv backslash the Big Vito brand. And you can follow me on my exer at PWSO PRF. That's PWSO Prof. And if this gets uploaded by A Track Brown, this will be on the PWSO YouTube networks. Follow my brothers in arms, Billy Ray Valentine at Obi-Wan Yanomi and follow the king of the reactions 8-Track Brown 
at the number eight TRAC Brown, where he has done the reactions for Loki. He does the reactions for Fear the Walking Dead. He does the reactions for Frasier. You know, I give him all the shout outs, but now upload my videos, motherfucker. But anyway, <laughs> with that being said, we close. And next week, we will do Survivor Series 2009 from MSG. That'll be episodic. That should be number 179 or 180. I'll get the number correctly for TW. With that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful. Dum Dum Do Idiot Zone. The one chip eater. Tommy Wonder saying goodnight. And we'll see you next time here at the PWSL Networks at Tommy Media Group at Podbeam.com. Peace. Oof. That's all you got for all the celebrities. You got whoosh. Whoosh. That is bad. I right. should have did something with a lisp. I'm just saying. I was waiting. I was waiting to pop it. You didn't pop it.